Today in Business from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy to use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60 day trial at shipstation.com slash tech news. That's shipstation.com slash tech news. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey there, this is the spoken edition of Wired. The 2010s killed the cult of the tech founder. Great. Stephen Levy. When Larry Page and Sergey Brin announced they were giving up their day to day duties at Alphabet early this month, Leaving the heavy lifting to Google CEO Sundar Pichai, an era ended in more ways than one. As much as the news made history for the Mountain View search giant, it was also a fitting end to a cult of founderhood that peaked and crashed during the past 10 years. At the beginning of this decade, the Google guys were still the flag bearers of that cult. From the time they started their company in the late 1990s, they gleefully drew the boxes that subsequent founder savants would later check off. Pursuing ideas that conventional wisdom deemed crazy, dismissing traditional business practices and maintaining control of their company even after going public, bypassing oversight by granting themselves powerful voting shares. The underlying philosophy was that founders knew better than shareholders what is good, not just for the company, but for the world. If you gave them unlimited power, they might even eschew some profits for social good. Or at least they'd postpone quick bucks for a long term approach that only visionaries would appreciate. When Page claimed that Google was not a conventional company, he was speaking for all founders, many of whom would subsequently adopt that convention. But the decade we've just endured has shattered their halos. The 2010s might have begun with Mark Zuckerberg posing for Time Magazine's Person of the Year, a role model for countless behooded wannabe entrepreneurs, but it ended with him trying to look stoic while absorbing six hours of enraged verbal pinata swings from legislators. Congress, along with the rest of us, is clearly disenchanted with the claims that founders are engines of wealth creation and change agents for global goodness. While their stated goals might have been lofty, the consequences of founder dreams have been low paid gig economy jobs, misinformation campaigns, and the theft of our attention. Even Google Alphabet, fabled for its happy workers, is experiencing employee unrest and regulatory pushback on privacy and antitrust issues. 
At least Zuckerberg and the Alphabet dudes run profitable companies with high valuations. Some of the other founders who won glory in this decade are now known for questionable practices while piling up deficits. Remember Elizabeth Holmes, who was going to be the next Steve Jobs? It's now her prosecutors who are out for blood, and they won't settle for just a drop. Travis Kalanick, once celebrated as the hard-charging bro who is going to revolutionize transportation, created such a publicly toxic culture at Uber that his board tossed him aside. But even Kalanick's misdeeds don't compare to the Barnum-esque antics of WeWork's Adam Newman, whose business plan crumbled under the scrutiny of its aborted IPO. And since he had embraced the tactic of loading voting power into the shares he owned, the only way to rid the company of its megalomaniacal founder was to pay him off. The founder halo will take another battering when lavishly optioned versions of those tales appear on home screens and in the cinema. These productions will make the satiric HBO show Silicon Valley look like a tourist bureau advertorial for its eponymous location. In short, we've had enough. It once might have been charming that Jack Dorsey showed up for his congressional spotlight sans tie and with hipster beard, reading his testimony from an iPhone, But what we want to know is, why is Twitter so toxic? Several of the founders who took their unicorns to market and remained in charge are having trouble explaining why their stock prices have plummeted from those high valuations in the private realm. To be sure, founder mania is still with us to some extent. After all, the VCs have to spend their money somewhere. During the 2010s, the chance to have an impact on the world and maybe become a billionaire placed founderdom at the peak of aspirational careers much as in earlier times someone might have striven to pen the great American novel. Now the dream is to write the most outlandish S1. The audience of wannabe founders is big enough to support best-selling books on starting and running companies. The bard of the field, venture capitalist and serial founder Ben Horowitz, just wrote a tome urging founders to adopt Genghis Khan and prison gang leaders as role models. And take a look at the startup accelerator Y Combinator. Started in 2005 with six nascent companies, in the early 2010s it began to dramatically ramp up its twice-yearly training program, which nets big seed rounds for almost all of the participants. Now a batch might have 200 companies. Since most of those startups consist of two or three founders each, that's roughly 1,000 founders a year, unleashed on the ecosystem to fail and start again. But that's not the full extent of YC's influence. It also runs an online startup school that welcomes future Zuckerbergs and pages from around the world at scale. So far, over 41,000 aspirants have taken the course. The very best wind up in Mountain View for its three-month boot camp. Just this week, YC announced it will run the online course more often. Even in Y Combinator's Cathedral of Founderdom, there's been a change. CEO Michael Seibel acknowledges the shift in perception, but he says the ecosystem is course-correcting with a new wave of founders whose focus is social good. We're going to see some new role models, he says. Founders, investors, and users all have to live in this society. We're all seeing the problems, and everyone wants to feel like they can be part of the solution. Still, the bloom is off the founder rose, and that's a good thing. In our wild embrace of founders, and that goes especially for the enablers of those who threw money at them, we made a big mistake by not accounting for their lack of accountability. And we forgot that no matter how amazing these dudes seemed, yes, too many were dudes, though at least we got talking about diversity in this decade, they were still just human with human frailties. Unlimited power corrupts, even when the power is wielded by people in hoodies. There will be more Larrys and Sergeys, and of course, they will be funded. And we will benefit by their innovations. But in the 2020s, new founders will also be pressed on a question they can no longer avoid by swerving their rollerblades. What can go wrong? 
Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.